Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 89th episode of the podcast, airing the week of March 17th, 2020. Now, I'm delighted to bring to you my interview with D.C. area professional astrologer and yoga teacher, Jack Marsh, uh, who, if you've listened to this podcast for some time, you'll know that Jack is one of my favorite guests to have on, and he is the probably the most long-running guest of the podcast, but he is coming to join me in a discussion on Aries season 2020. And so Jack and I are going to dissect the Aries ingress chart set for Washington, D.C., and then break down the 30-day season that is initiating the Zodiacal New Year. Now, we spend time touching on the current virus pandemic and other worldly factors uh, that are very hard to ignore at this time, as well as looking at what the coming days mean for us as individuals. And there is so much to be said about this ingress chart in this season in general, as the action is now here, to say the least. So we do do hope you find value in our planetary analysis of this upcoming cycle. Now, a fabulous way to show appreciation for this podcast and my astrological efforts is to come on over and sign up for my weekly Patreon-exclusive astrology forecast or audio cast or podcast, however you want to call it, that airs every Sunday, uh, and I include a seven-day detailed astrology forecast along with tarot polls and the Animal Ambassador of the Week. And now I have a new segment at the end of the program called Ask Mel, Ask Me, Ask Miel, <laughs> Ask Mel, where I answer patron questions, uh, and I do encourage you to ask me anything. So as I said, new episodes launch every Sunday at midnight Pacific time. So if you want to stay up to date with the ins and outs of each week and the current shifts that are underway, because there are many of them, I am here to help. Uh, so that will start at $5 a month uh, for the weekly forecast, as well as early guest interviews to get these podcasts before they reach the public, uh, along with my Astro Storytime episodes that are just sitting waiting to be viewed on my Patreon. Uh, and then you can add the $8 tier if you like to also get the show notes and the, app, the option to ask Mel. Uh, so to find out more about that, uh, you can go to patreon.com backslash energetic principles. You can also show appreciation by making a one-time donation to Mel's tip jar, which you can find on the front page of energeticprinciples.com, or by booking a personal consultation with yours truly. Mercury is still in effect, Uh, which can all be done through my site, too. So consultations, Patreons, uh, tip jars, you know, if you would like to show support, those are the ways to do so. All right. So who is ready to hear more about this lit up airy season? Here we go. Now let's meet our guest. All right. I am so happy to welcome back this week's special guest. We have the fabulous Jack Marsh back here with us. Thank you for joining me, Jack. Thanks for having me again, Mel. We were just saying how we think it's maybe six times, lucky number six, maybe. I think think it's lucky number six. We're kind of pulling it out of, you know, where, Um, but (laughs) well, we know that Jack is the reigning king of uh, the interview portion of this podcast because he's one of my favorite people to talk to. So if you haven't heard, uh, you know, before, 
go back in the back episodes and you'll find Jack there for sure. Um, but today we're going to talk about the Aries season 2020 and the Aries ingress. And actually, if you remember last year, you might recall that Jack joined me for this episode back then too, when we were talking about Aries ingress for 2019. Um, and I, I haven't gone back and listened yet. Uh, and Jack, you haven't either, right? To our old episode. No, we no. Like an actor doesn't watch the performances of someone else, you know, in the same role. I sort of didn't want to listen to myself talk about Aries last year. We'll cover new material and then probably listen to it this week. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I want to, because, you know, sometimes you just don't remember what you said at that point, but it's been a year and it'll be a fa- fantastic exercise to go back and see what we were talking about then um, <laughs> because it will be fascinating. <laughs> uh, so that, there is that if you want to dive back into 2019 and me and Jack talking about that. But before we get started here for newbies on the podcast, Jack, will you give, uh, you know, tell the listeners a little bit of something about yourself? Absolutely, Mel. Well, my name is Jack and um, I am Gemini Jack. I met Mel at UAC um, two years ago now, yep. which is slightly insane. Yeah. Um, and I've been doing astrology for the um, better part of a decade now, professionally, like four and a half years. Um, I do a mix of like Hellenistic, modern, and now also a a bit more of Jyotish getting in there. Um, I work for Yoga Alliance, the world's largest credentialing organization for yoga professionals. And I love my job and um, have gotten to do some really fun things recently, like uh, give presentations. I gave a special Valentine presentation on uh, Vedic astrology and relationships for the entire staff, which was very, very fun and very cool. Um, so getting my toes wet with a little speaking, maybe eventually some some more public events in the, in the future. We'll see, see here. I see that. I see that for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's just a really, uh, a really fun ride. Astrology is more useful the more you use it. Yeah. And um, that is definitely proved true in my life experience. And I'm happy to share and chat with anybody about um, their chart about mundane astrology, about uh, all things life and astro, because I think they're one and the same. That's right. Yeah. And I, you know, Jack and I have fantastic conversations. <laughs> we met at UAC, you know, <laughs> two years ago, which is blowing my mind as much as it is yours. Um, and we're just fast friends right away. And so this is probably going to be a lively chat <laughs> as it usually is when we come together. But there's so much to talk about, Jack, with the Aries ingress. Oh my God. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of a doozy this year for sure. Yes. And so what we're going to do is we're going to start in with, uh, we're going to lead in with a little bit of the Aries ingress chart set for Washington, D.C., which is March 19th, 2020. Um, and I have 1149. 37, if you get in those, uh, you know, microseconds, p.m., p.m. Uh, in Washington, D.C. there. So now I think before we even get into the chart, Jack, you know, we should talk about some of what is even going on um, in, <laughs> in, in the world mm-hmm. uh, and in our country, because I think that is going to play into a lot of what we can get out of the actual chart that we're going to be kind of reading into the future <clears throat> with. But Obviously, the number one thing on everybody's mind right now um, and everybody's news <laughs> feeds is the coronavirus. <laughs> oh, without a doubt. Yes, the virus. Where do we begin with the virus? <laughs> Where do we begin, Mel? It is, um, well, we're recording today on uh, March the 12th. Um, uh, and in DC here, I have Libra rising and uh, Cancer on the Midheaven. Um, 
nine degrees to Libra and 11 degrees to Cancer here, but we are in the thick of things. I mean, working near the district, we are already a majority into uh, COVID-19 protocols. Um, even my own office um, are entering protocols this coming week, mandatory teleworking. Um, and nobody come into the office. Everybody stay isolated and far apart. I also teach yoga on the wharf, on the waterfront in DC. And I don't know what we're going to be doing about classes because some, I mean, some studios, some gyms are already closing their doors or providing limited hours or putting caps on the number of people at one time in the space because of the supposed six foot radius of spreadability from a contagious individual. But um, that's a pretty wide radius. It's a very <laughs> it's like, wide radius. It's like 12 feet, uh, like total diameter, right? If you're a six foot radius. So um, it's like, you just made me think of combustion as a planet comes and goes. <laughs> so true. Don't get combusted. Don't get combusted by another person. That's hilarious. Yeah. So it's, um, it's really something that a lot of people and industries are taking very seriously. And that is both refreshing and cons- both refreshing and concerning. concerning. Refreshing in the sense that um, it's really amazing that so many private companies and businesses and organizations are stepping forward and taking such appropriate measures for disease control and management, and that everyone's really doing a lot of due diligence. I've heard a lot about this um, illness. I've seen a lot of action being taken, but I've also, like everyone else, been uh, seeing through the news and through other factors how we're ill-equipped in a lot of ways to handle a lot of the situations at hand. And so while it's been great to be a part of some nonprofits and organizations that have been able to take a lot of great actions in and of themselves, and to see them work with um, other orgs and with the government, it has also been a bit disconcerting to see our inability to put, you know, the public welfare um, in the place where it perhaps should be by the providers that perhaps ought to be providing it, um, namely uh, the, the perhaps the, the government, the dirty G word, like <laughs> <laughs> so dirty. There I say it gets dirtier every um, day. <laughs> it's dirtier every day. We uh, not to get too political, but we're not seeing his tax returns, and we're not seeing uh, the president's results on the COVID test either. <laughs> yeah, uh, did you see his statement? He uh, he's not going to get tested. Well, well, questions. I'm not sure. Uh, it's just a very interesting time to be alive. Fascinating to see right. all the medical science and all of the progress and all of the with Mercury having just turned direct in Aquarius and moving again out of its station um, is really when we saw all of this motion pick up with everyone putting out all these measures, these very intellectual procedural steps to do things, the organized response of the collective moving forward in Aquarius. Um, And it's so interesting that all of this developed in the really Mercury retrograde through Pisces as it picked up and started to move globally. And of course, then tuning in Pisces connections, Mel and I were talking about before the call, um, these factors that can relate back to illness and losing energy and the need to uh, rest and phlegm like phlegm. The, the flu yes. and phlegm. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And um, yeah, all those things because <clears throat> there's, I mean, there's so much I want to say about all of this that I don't even know where to start because my brain is just full of thoughts on what is happening here. Um, but what we do need to know about uh, the whole virus situation um, and especially in this point in time and actually what's going to lead into the ingress chart that we're going to talk a little bit about here um, is that Really, the start of this this virus started right as 
you know, a couple days after we had our solar eclipse around Christmas, you know, those were when the first cases were coming out. And I had said, I had told Jack uh, this before we got on the broadcast, but when I was doing my eclipse report back then, I had set a reminder for myself because I was looking at the eclipse path of where it was, you know, headed because wherever the eclipse goes over, there is, it's a heightened point of um, activity in these zones. And so I noticed where Singapore was kind of sitting in it all. And I set a reminder back for myself in December to look at news about Singapore on February 22nd when Mars would be in Capricorn and conjunct that south node point and where we'd have you know, where the actual eclipse took place back in late December. And sure enough, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal about how uh, Singapore um, was responsible for, because of a conference, a major conference, you know, we're talking business, Capricorn, um, that because of that conference, that that coronavirus had spread out around different places in the world because of that uh, you know, that gathering of people and not have, being aware. And, you know, that's, so that was fascinating to me. You know, obviously I don't want to hear that news, but we are where we are and it has to start somewhere. And so that was so interesting to me that here we're seeing this eclipse at work. Um, and then like you were saying, Jack, with the, the messy retrograde, the, you know, in, in, Pisces, which is totally, Neptune is, is there. We had a full moon waxing, uh, you know, to a Neptune, um, you know, opposition while the sun was conjunct there. And, uh, you know, we see all the regulations, like you're saying, roll out. But we also see people, uh, you know, all the companies saying, we're taking all these measures to sterilize our facilities and what can we do? You know, all the Virgo thing, people, <laughs> any Virgo mm-hmm. moon out there is like, finally, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, and it all just makes sense. And one of the things that, and if you go back and listen to our old episode, which we haven't yet <laughs> either, right. but you know, when we look at the Aries ingress for 2019, we actually had a Virgo rising first off. Um, and we also had Mercury's retrograde in Pisces at that time, conjunct Neptune at our last Aries ingress. Um, and so, you know, that chart is, is kind of, it, it, it's, kind of a master chart that sets up for the whole year. You know, it depends. There's some technicalities based on rising sign, but that's so interesting to have that signature in last mm-hmm. year's ingress. And then here we are getting ready to enter this next one. Right. And the, with the ingress still, um, what, several days away, what is it? Uh, the 12th of the ingress still a full, um, not quite eight days away. Mm-hmm. We have, um, we're just nearing the last week of that cycle uh, that we were moved into at the last Aries ingress. And um, I think that it is absolutely fascinating that uh, we had such a sort of like an, an, an illness reminiscent chart at the beginning of last year, and that we're sort of seeing the development of that now, but you know, who's to say when the virus started forming and mutating yeah. like from uh, the animal sources uh, and then, uh, it's only visible now, sure, but when was really, it, it, it may be very hard for us ever to know when really was the first human carrier of, yeah. of COVID. But I imagine that with about a year's time scale, the way things move, that this virus was already starting to develop uh, into the form that would be transmutable to humans uh, approximately a year ago at the end of the previous flu season. Mm, oh, that's a very astute observation, Jack. I think you're absolutely right about that. And that and it says a lot actually for the Libra ingress because it was a uh, you know Virgo rising on last year's Aries. You know, we had 
that's a mutable sign. So with mutable signs, you're going to draw another chart up for halfway through the year um, based on that rising sign. This is like a technicality in mundane charts if you practice mundane astrology. Um, but so with our Libra ingress chart, we saw that Saturn, the South Node, and Pluto all were sitting tightly, you know, connect uh, in that chart in the sixth house. And we know the sixth house is a mm-hmm. point of, you know, health considerations, medical services, public health. Uh, And it was opposing the moon uh, and the North Node in Cancer in the 12th in that. So here we see this kind of, you know, this sickness kind of pandemic, hospitals being activated in that chart too. Mm -hmm. So there really were these carryovers um, that took so long to manifest. Like you're saying, you know, there's so much that happens, has to happen behind the scenes. And when you think about the sixth and the 12th access too, being mm-hmm. activated in Libra, that, that, this was all the behind the scenes moment to like get, like you're saying, you know, to get it ready for us, I guess. To get it ready for us. And it speaks also to the, to the anxiety. The 12th house yes. so often is associated with anxiety and depression. And there has been a, a major backlash of anxiety against um, populations that are being considered to be the spreaders of the disease. Oh, I'm talking about the the Asian profiling. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, these other factors. I read a, an article recently on the CDC website because I was looking at it for work, and there was a whole article about the um, the ju- like the judgment and the mental aspect of an outbreak and of a pandemic, and the extra judgments that we put upon populations and other people, and the otherizing that happens in as a fear response to real illness. And it was a whole very interesting separate parallel discussion about the need to um, be rational and be careful and be um, diligent, but also to not allow our natural human tendency to be overly fearful or to project um, the facts outwardly in a way that is distorted Mm -hmm. um, alongside the very real uh, parameters of uh, uh, healthcare and cleanliness that um, everyone should be really, especially mindful of at this time. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And when you talk about things like judgment and fear, you know, these are coming from all angles. It's not even just judgment and fear around certain, you know, selections of population in the world. It's just the overall judgment and fear of everything that's going on and anybody that you're encountering and all the possibilities, all the fearful possibilities. Um, you know, we're we're seeing Saturn and Pluto so ripely activated right now. And especially with the Jupiter-Neptune sextile that's happening too, mm-hmm. because, you know, Jupiter, um, as basically as this whole virus started to uh, grow, um, that is when Jupiter was sextile Neptune. And we know mm-hmm. Jupiter in Capricorn is in a position of its fall. So it's literally spreading fall. And we can think of disease kind of as fall. And, but what's really falling here? The markets, the economy. Right. We can't keep it up because the reality is, is that we live in a world that relies on us going every day. And if we don't, we're not set up for such things. And so this, this is Saturn Pluto coming to the surface saying like, okay, well, we'll throw you a curveball, and we'll just, you'll see just how, you know, well your structures can, <laughs> can uphold. Can handle it. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's, so yeah, it's it's a thing. It's a big thing. And I think it's going to play a lot into this year because, I, you know, I, that's another thing, Jack, is I see everyone canceling. Cancel. I had to cancel my talk for SDAS that I'm supposed to do tomorrow because we have a strong senior population and, you know, we didn't want to put mm-hmm. them at risk. Even though I am not, I am pretty anti-panic. Like I, this might be the Scorpio rising, but I, I feel like I'm like, this is more 
there's more fear in the air than there actually is risk. But that's just my mm. stance. And everyone has their own opinion on it um, and their own health considerations because people have different levels of resiliency to things too. And so there's concern in that. But what I'm trying to say here is that um, as I'm watching Coachella be, you know, all these, yes. things, you know, all these things and all I can think of, oh, later in the year, I'm like, oh, well, let's just wait for that Mars retrograde to come around and square all the Capricorn planets, uh, you know, and we're going to be faced with anything that we canceled or we're trying to bring back or, and even people were saying, you know, the, the, the virus could come back later in the year when things, <laughs> so it's just. Yeah. And even at this very moment that we're speaking, Mars is perfecting its sextile with Neptune within the yeah. next 48 hours. Um, and speaking of the Mars retrograde, we're about to experience later. And so at the ingress chart itself, um, I mean, we have, well, well, we'll get to that in a minute, but we have um, Mars and Jupiter so yeah. prominently placed to get together in terms of their c- conjunction. I mean, they're not on an angle, um, uh, but they're in like the third house Capricorn there together. And they're just, so, it's just so very potent, especially with the Washington ingress uh, being at, uh, about 24 degrees of Scorpio mm-hmm. there um, as we move into the discussion of the ingress chart. Yeah, we're, uh, we're Mars, there, Jack. Let's get in we're, there. We're there. <laughs> we're so there. <laughs> this, this is a very Mars, um, you know, Mars heavy chart right here. And as one of the, the fixed sign risings, I believe the rule follows that the Aries ingress is the predominant yeah. ingress um, for the entirety of the year for that nation or that that capital that um, that's being Quite, like that is being referenced. Mm-hmm. So um, this is really the, the chart that sets the tone in mundane astrology for the duration of the year. And we've got 24 degrees and about like 50 minutes of a Scorpio rising. We've got the midheaven at six degrees, 52 minutes of Virgo is what I have. Might be 51. Mel, <laughs> no, I'm not sure. Um, Mel got very nice in Virgo with her fractions of a second. <laughs> I was using the, ele- was the 1150 my- even... <laughs> just my computer doing that for me that you know i can't take the fire no perfect um yeah so just to like set up the view for everybody 2451 scorpio rising which means we got 2451 of taurus on the descendant midheaven six degrees 52 minutes of virgo and therefore six degrees 52 minutes of pisces with mercury direct in pisces finally again approaching that uh we're having just passed that ic degree um and uh, that just sets up a really interesting combination for me of the trajectory of the year, the ascendant and descendant access moving forward in sort of a steady way. Mm-hmm. While I imagine that the public view or the way the news surrounds the topics of the year are going to be massively in flux. I mean, we have that wonderful, mutable, a midheaven IC axis going on. So um, with um, Mercury in a sort of a power position near the IC, as well as ruling that midheaven. Um, so, mm. um, right? I just had, well, I just had a thought. I'm like thinking, well, because that's the thing is when you have a planet that is conjunct an angle, you know, in whatever chart, of course, we're talking about mundane charts right here, it, it, you know, it becomes accidentally dignified. Uh, mm-hmm. And that can be a good thing. Or if we're talking about Mercury and its uh, detriment and fall, <laughs> you know, that could be a more challenging thing. Um, right, while trying to steer the public sector of the Virgo Midheaven. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, With no assistance from the moon over in Aquarius at 13 degrees at the ingress. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, well, very interesting time. It is an interesting time because there's so much we could say about this chart right away. You know, in the moon's a fascinating part of that too, because the moon is that uh, you know the moon's the people. This is the public. This is our public mm-hmm. opinion. Um, and it's interesting to note that you know it's in Aquarius, and as a you know, you the U.S. chart natally has a moon in Aquarius, so there is something to say to that. It's not conjunct, but it's close. Um, enough in sign, I guess. <laughs> but it's also interesting to think about this is a Saturn ruled sign that is representing the people. And we are already at this social distancing that is taking place. Um, you know, where like you were just saying, Jack, that they recommend a six foot (laughs) combustion, (laughs) uh, you know, distance and six feet is a lot. And that's one of the reasons we actually had to cancel our meeting because just having that protocol, I don't think we could actually accommodate the room by spreading that, you know, people out that far. Um, that's just a side note, but it's so it's interesting. So here, here we see this Aquarius uh, moon. We see Mars, Jupiter, and Pluto all conjunct in Capricorn with Mars uh, approaching its exact conjunction with Jupiter, which we can unpack so much in that. Um, yeah. But it, there, you know, all, all these planets I just spoke of, including the South Node that's there on the solar eclipse degree that I had just mentioned about, you know. Four degrees of Capricorn. That's right. They're all looking to Saturn at the very last degree of Capricorn, right? You know, 29 degrees and 50 minutes, like less than 10 minutes left in Aquarius before it moves into, or in Capricorn before moving into Aquarius for the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so of course, whenever you have that anoretic degree, you have that sensation of things are already moving somewhere else. uh, Things have are basically almost fully wrapped up in the condition they're currently in and they're already moving towards a new condition. Um, And uh, in in many ways, I feel like uh, what that says to me is that uh, many parts of uh, this chart for the populace have already been, uh, like the deal's been sealed kind of a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Like the the contract has been signed and even though um, the lawyer's like still in the room with you and they're tidying up, like your name's already on the paper, right? Like there's not much one can do to unsign the contract even when you're still in the room with the lawyer and they're just, uh, they're, they're moving on the way out. And in the same way, I, I feel as though like the, the populace represented by the moon in Aquarius here, which is definitely in her darkness at this point. She is in her balsamic, mm-hmm. in her True. balsamic phase and therefore very already de- depleted um, and going back to seed. Um, a lot of people are tired of a lot of things. Um, uh, and that could be said, uh, Politically, economically, um, from all ends of the perspective on that one. Um, but I really think that this is going to be a year, especially with the massive United States election cycle already dragging its feet, like on its way. Um, oh. People, people are, are going to be already tuckered out by this one. I also wonder how it's going to impact the Olympics, the Summer Olympics in Tokyo, um, which are uh, you know always the last respite that we ever get to have right before the massive election to do in the United States. The Summer Olympics is sort of a last breath of fresh air. But I wonder with all of the other events that are already being rescheduled, yeah. like what's going to happen with that? That would be the most, the, the most massive gathering of it, people in the world that happens almost ever in the world. The Olympics is one of the largest single events that um, international organizations and uh, citizens participate in. I wonder what the, the fate of that decision is going to be. I mean, the NBA has already canceled March Madness for the year. Um, we, uh, for for those that watch sports or pay attention to basketball, yeah. I've got a basketball family, so basketball is one that I do know about. 
Um, but uh, I wonder how that will impact, yeah, the Summer Olympics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, you know, and it's going to be a lot of that all year long. I think it's going to be, well, and it's, so here's the thing, is that, okay, so, well, A, number one, that Saturn that's sitting at that anoretic last degree of Capricorn just happens to be in the bounds or terms of Mars, <laughs> number one. Mm-hmm. So, which is interesting because Mars is, in Capricorn there is an exalted position. You know, Mars is moving strong, um, but Mars is also a malefic, you know, uh, and so it has a different agenda. And then it's on top of the, you know, the benefic of Jupiter who's in its fall um, and right. in not in a good condition. And one of the things that we're seeing through all this is the economic fallout that is going to happen through all these decisions that we're making um, that might be more on, you know, kind of a I, I feel very fearful, not literally, not me, but I feel that this is a fear strongly driven by fear because there's so much mm-hmm. you can say about the, you know, the mental capacity of people. And that's actually kind of what I wanted to talk about. When you look at, at least in the whole sign chart for the ingress, we are seeing that all that Capricorn action of the South Node, Mars, Jupiter, Pluto uh, and Saturn are all sitting in the third house. And this is a point of, um, you know, communications. And, yeah. and one of the things that we see that is most uh, potent for the spread of the hysteria around this is the media. And we already know that we've had issues with the media, with the whole election thing and why we're in the place we're in. Uh, and this is just another point of divisiveness for all people. And so it's just a spreading this Capricornian message of, you know, the Saturnian, uh, you know, there's a divisive quality that is happening and it can be rather intense because this whole, (laughs) you know, this whole Aries ingress is set up under a Scorpio rising. And as a Scorpio rising myself, (laughs) I will tell you that it is, um, you know, (laughs) it's an intense energy. (laughs) So yeah. Definitely. And I also think it's very interesting that the third house as well is um, about uh, hand-to-hand transactions. And, um, and like, I always think of kids playing patty cake in the third house because it's also like younger education or the direct transference of knowledge. And so it's where you can communicate things, but it's also where you could, where things can be communicable by hand-to-hand, like tactile transaction, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and so I think it's very interesting there that on this ingress, we have uh, Mars and Jupiter both at exactly 22 degrees Within 11 minutes of each other, Mars still approaching um, Jupiter. And uh, Jupiter definitely is a guy that always wants to give high fives to his friends. And Mars is right there being like, we got we to gotta cut that We got to cut that crap out right now. Like, we, we can't do that. And I've also been seeing all of the wonderful hand-washing and greeting memes online. And like the, uh, the images I've seen recently of um, the different styles of greeting and how they transfer germs between them. Yeah. It was like handshakes, worse... High fives spread 50% of what a handshake spreads. Fist bumps spreads like 10% of what a handshake spreads. And then I like the namaste prayer hands. Of course, I see too many yoga memes. Namaste prayer hands, zero transmission. It was like... <laughs> hey, uh, you know, you, you're starting to understand why the Japanese people bow, you know? <laughs> like, right. it's Because it, there's a lot... I was talking about this the other day, how there's a lot of places in the world where if you go to shake someone's hand, they're going to look at you like, what the hell are you doing? You know, mm-hmm. that might be a little too... Uh, up close and personal, having that type of because you know our hands are <laughs> everywhere. Uh, they're everywhere, and they also we also touch everything. And everything. some of the cultures have a much more embedded sense of how the hands and feet are innately dirty. 
um, it be uh, due to like walking around and that might be sound like a very strong phraseology to some people, yeah. but it, there is the sense that um, they're the things that are in most direct contact with the, with the world. They're meant to be the tactile um, uh, perceivers. And so uh, they do receive the brunt of the, um, of the surface interaction that we do in the world. Mm-hmm. That makes, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. So here we see all this action happening in the third house. Um, and, and you know, if you, pu- if you put the chart into Placidus or you start looking at rulerships, um, either one, you're going to see that either that whole stellium kind of inches over into the second house, or you'll see that, you know, the second house in the whole sign chart is ruled by Jupiter, who's over in the third. And that, the thing is, is like every time Jupiter gets into Capricorn, we do have some sort of economic disaster. That's it's just kind of what, that's the idea of a planet mm-hmm. falling. The planet is, you know, it, it, it's uh, exaggerated in some sort of way, in whatever way that seems to go down so that mm-hmm. the markets go down, I guess is what I'm saying. And, and so right. this is going to play into it too. And, you know, we can't, we can't stop everything, you know? <laughs> you can't stop everything. And Jupiter always has this feeling of like buoyancy. And so a planet in fall has this uh, sensation of where it grows dense in an area where it's usually proficient mm-hmm. and then it moves too far in the other direction. And so Jupiter's ability to to gift and uplift and like raise the winds up, so to, so to speak, all that hot air, uh, which usually can like bolster an economy in Sagittarius, or bring like a lot of new innovations in both Sag and Pisces as well, and a lot of artistic creativity in Pisces. Um, in Capricorn, it, uh, it, it's almost like there have been too many ideas that have been applied to the abstract idea of economics um, for the reality of what economic structures look like to sustain. And so it creates this, um, the, this uh, drain of funds or... Um, unexpected restrictions, right? So, I mean, you have like Chinese restaurants that are going under again because of the profiling. You have um, uh, performers. I have a, got a lot of friends and people near and dear to my heart that are that are performers and musicians and actors and dancers are particularly vulnerable at this time because all of their major methods for um, for earning income are, are A, getting canceled, or B, no one is like wanting to go on them. Do you want to go on a cruise ship right now after the cruise ship that had oh, no. like, like nearly 100 positive COVID tests? Like, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a tough situation for sure. It is, it is. And, and you know, and we can take these precautions for uh, forever uh, long that we can until we realize that there is actually no way to sustain such things because, uh, you know, life has to go on regardless of if something's threatening it. Um, and that you're going to see interesting cases of survival of the fittest, I think, in, in different mm-hmm. ways than we might, you know, think of in our minds. But, but and it's fascinating to me because we had a, a lady do a talk um, in, at SDAS back in November of 2018. She wrote a whole book on China's financial collapse of 2020. Uh, and, <laughs> and it's, you know, and it, it, it wasn't tied up in the way that she she quite presented it, but we can see what's happening here because production stopped there, um, you know, and we're just seeing the, the landslide uh, basically go down. Um, but there is also, in, think about it too, uh, having a Scorpio rising um, and knowing I have that myself, like all, automatically I'm thinking first and sixth house because these are Mars's rulerships. So once again, mm-hmm. we see Mars pushing with Jupiter on the Saturn-Pluto degree, nonetheless, that's, you know, 22 degrees of Capricorn. And it is, it has, you know, it's ruling those first and sixth houses. So we're back to the, the health and the medical services and what needs 
you know, what happens there. Um, and so that's interesting. And especially because the sun, obviously, in whole signs is going to fall in the sixth house. Um, in Aries. In Aries. Right, right there. And what I do see as well that um, that is maybe a, a bit of a hopeful note is that uh, the ascendant here at 2451 of Scorpio is essentially in a very tight sextile with Mars, its own ruler, as well as Jupiter, um, from uh, Scorpio to uh, the same degrees of uh, Capricorn there. And so, of course, uh, sextile, there's always opportunity with a sextile to create more flow, even though it takes more work. Uh, I believe I just heard April Elliott Kent describe a sextile as the opportunities of a trine with the work of a square, Yeah, um, which I thought was a really excellent way to describe that. And so... Um, there are definitely opportunities for us. So I, I, don't, I don't want all of this uh, sort of yeah. doom and gloom <laughs> apocalyptic speak that, uh, that I've heard a lot of people using um, totally overtake our conversation. There are opportunities available to us with that uh, ascendant sextiling its own ruler, it, it, which is also exalted in Capricorn. So we can't forget these details. This is also a night chart. So there are yes. some things that temper the heat of Mars. There are some things that, that, that can be done if we take advantage of them, such as being more decisive. Mars is the decision maker. So being prudent as to where we do spend the funds and time and efforts that we have available to us. Um, well, so when we, when we don't have a lot of choices as to where to go out or what to do, there's less frivolity, perhaps. And so we do have the opportunity to maybe be more concise with the ways in which we choose to allocate our funds and time and the ways in which we choose to communicate and the ways in which we choose to use our gifts. You know, Jupiter, even in his fall, he's not all bad. Jupiter still brings gifts, right? Mm. So um, with the ascendant ruler, conjunct Jupiter, sextile that ascendant, I, I do see the possibilities for, um, for prudent choices to be made that could uh, trim the tree, so to speak, for better yeah. growth later in the year or next year. Well, I think that's a great point. And I can kind of piggyback off what you're saying there uh, in our hopeful note, because of course we don't want to give it all doomsday, although we are up against some challenging situations and that yes. let's be clear with that. But there is always a silver lining. And one of the things that we can see to, to, to go with what Jack is saying there is that uh, here we have, okay, so here we have Mars conjunct uh, Jupiter in this third house space. And we know that third house uh, can also be a point of just, you know, kind of our movable infrastructures. And we're seeing that those are kind of collapsing in certain places. And that's part of that Jupiter in fall. It's part of having Pluto there. But if Mars is going to make those decisions from a strong, exalted place, and it's on Jupiter, uh, you know, and Jupiter is a point of our, our higher courts uh, in making these laws, um, maybe that is the blessing of a fall mixed with an exaltation, is that if certain laws and certain structures and, you know, all, how we're going about our whole society and even down to local government and local environments, if we mm -hmm. start to, to uh, you know, actively make new laws, new structures, new foundations. You know, this is a point where fall can actually be a blessing because something has to fall before you can lift it back up and get the good from it. Because if it's not already in a place of good, it can't continue to be good or bring good. It has mm -hmm. to be recognized for what needs to fall away first in order to be able to get the, you know, to... Yeah. To make it better. <laughs> yeah, to make it better, to ameliorate the situation, to um, uh, begin to uh, efficate change, things like that. Yeah. And that and is I, Mercury's ruler too, Mercury over in Pisces. 
is looking yeah. to Jupiter there. It too. is looking to Jupiter. And Mercury also is uh, on the IC or close to the IC. And um, uh, that point of uh, sort of true midnight opposite the midheaven uh, is uh, also interesting in many ways because it does symbolize, of course, the homeland, the country, mm-hmm. uh, the, the place of origin. But it also, um, in horary astrology and, and uh, electional astrology, can mean the end result or the outcome, right? It's sort of like the final card in the tarot spread, like mm-hmm. where like where where things are ultimately going and headed. And so Mercury um, in Pisces here has a lot of um, nonlinear opportunity. I think that that is one thing that that could be a blessing from this year and having to deal with the um, extremes of dealing with navigating a situation where there are travel restrictions, where there are restrictions on where you even want to go that are self-imposed. Yeah. Um, it's that things become nonlinear. The normal path of life has been disrupted. And so there is opportunity here um, as uh, delivered to us from our ascendant ruler, uh, Mars on top of Jupiter, sextile the ascendant, and from our midheaven ruler, Mercury on the IC in Pisces, also ruled by Jupiter. Um, I think that these things indicate a, uh, a way forward based upon nonlinear thinking mm. and uh, creative um, interpretation. And uh, that also could equally apply to uh, the courts as well, as we're talking about Mercury, at least again in the whole sign system, being in Pisces in the fifth house, where, um, where there are uh, results of creative projects, where you might see uh, the, uh, the results of a, um, of a, a a court decision wouldn't always necessarily fall into the fifth house, but it is where things are generated um, and where like new things are born uh, is in the fifth house. And so um, that speaks to me of, of uh, a possibility for a multitude of, of new previously culturally unforeseen or massively predicted by the major parties kind of thing. Um, things being born into fruition through the courts or through legislation um, because of the ways we've had to change our thinking and our decision-making surrounding um, this crazy process. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely. (laughs) These are all the viable speculations really. Um, And Mm -hmm. I think we would be remiss not to say though, especially in relation to, because we're looking at just the ingress chart, but of course, you know, we kind of want to relay it back to the U S chart at the same time. And so when we are looking at that, um, you know, Mars, Jupiter, and uh, definitely Pluto, especially Pluto at 24 degrees there, that they're exactly opposite our Mercury in uh, the U.S. chart, um, which is the ruler of the seventh house of, you know, foreign relations, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. agreements, uh, but also enemies, you know, uh, and also that 10th house of, uh, which actually corresponds to the ruler of the country, uh, the president. Um, So there, that is fascinating too, because here we have the Plutonian component and Mars and Jupiter quite close there. Um, And we are nearing our Pluto return as a country. So I think that's going to play very much into obviously the election, which is already a contested thing that's going, that's going on. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But, and I can't tell you either way, which is how it's going to go right now. But I do know that Donald Trump has both uh, Venus and Saturn conjunct our our Mercury for the U.S. So he's getting, you know, Pluto on the other side of that. And then this ingress is built in. Um, So there is, I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be deep. It's probably going to be intense. It's going to be significant. uh, And we're going to feel it in the change in the tides that are turning in the country. Absolutely. And the only other thing that, um, that is closer to that perfect sextile with the ascendant 
then the Mars-Jupiter conjunction is Pluto itself. The, the sextile is exact. We're yes. just moving away like uh, 11, or yeah, 11 it's minutes so, moving It's away. so close. <laughs> right. I mean, it's like exact, exactly sextile with Pluto, the ascendant in Scorpio to Pluto in Capricorn. So, I mean, the, the level of transformation this year, I would say, is going to be um, profound. I mean, this last year was, was a big year in terms of things moving. But I, I, I don't feel like we're necessarily in a new place than we were last year, yeah. apart from this COVID stuff. But I would uh, venture to say that next year at this time, I would not make the same comment, that, I, that, uh, that we will feel as though we are in a different place. What yeah. kind of a different place, um, whether we're talking more like a 1984 kind of place or like a... <laughs> <laughs> a George Orwell kind of nightmare place or, or, or a better place is as of yet to be seen. And there is still also a little bit of, of hope there as well. I think in this chart, the last thing worth mentioning um, to my mind here is that uh, the, the balsamic moon at 13 degrees, 33 minutes of Aquarius is approaching its sextile with Venus at 1556 of uh, Taurus over in the seventh house. Oh, you mean so, a square? Yeah, I'm so sorry, a square. Yes, exactly, a square. Two fixed signs. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that, that tension, also, um, the, I mean, the moon and Venus are very um, collaborative energies. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Aquarius and Taurus, they're, um, they're uh, you know, with that shared modality of fixedness, they're not necessarily um, too antithetical to one another. Uh, there is a, a, a tension and ability there for the, the populace to, to strive towards um, a betterness to strive towards a, a better way with Venus over in uh, the, well, the seventh house, if you're in whole sign, she is in the sixth if you're in Placidus. Um, but that, that dynamic tension for us to move again towards a way to um, smooth out the borders again. You know, uh, how, how do we mm. get from this place where we've, we have this enforced separateness and how do we move again into a place where we can um, have a cultural exchange, where we can have uh, an understanding between peoples, where we can get things uh, where we can get things done um, and connect with others because that makes us feel better as a, as a lunar populace um, and, and as a, as a a species that, that seeks connection through uh, like through the Venusian principle. um, This is one dynamic in the ingress chart that actually gives me a lot of hope and also because squares provoke action. So this does speak to me a bit about the, um, the more um, activist or go to it, like get to it kind of nature that um, the people, even though we're drained in in the balsamic phase here as the balsamic Aquarius moon, I think that that dynamic tension will provide some impetus for us to move forward and back out into the world seeking ways to make things better and more stable Venus and Taurus. That, that's what I was thinking, exactly. The stable component or and being able to make those connections, especially in business, once we get all, you know, as everything is kind of unraveling, we're going to yeah. have to make those connections. We have no choice but to, because, you know, we can be in the position we are right now for however long that we can maintain that. But we, like you just said, Jack, we need each other, whether it's for just the connection component to feel good, like we're connecting with other people or the fact to get that toilet paper that's out of Walmart, you know, whatever. We right. need to connect with one, each, uh, one another. And um, that is 
that, you know, that actually might be part of that moon Venus square um, and some of the tension that might lie around it. But knowing that Venus is in the position she's in, and especially in the seventh house in the whole sign um, system is, you know, I think that bodes well for for just being able to hopefully make peace. You know, Venus and Taurus, Taurus in general, it wants peace. It wants stillness. It wants you know, it wants a bit of, of quiet and maybe not quarantine quiet. <laughs> it wants mm-hmm. like, you know, let's, let's bridge the, these gaps. Let's, let's find a way to work with this. Um, cause we need each other. And so I, I do think having Venus there, um, is definitely, definitely bodes well for a nice piece of, of this chart for sure. All right. So yeah. Um, well, anything that, else, that Jack, you see? Sort of the year ahead. Well, yeah, I think it also like could help with, uh, with um, the reconciliation that the last thing I want to mention that we haven't mentioned globally going on is that there was just a travel ban today announced um, against basically the entirety of the European Union. You know, yes. uh, 26 European countries have now been denied um, access to the, to the United States. Um, U.S. citizens uh, returning to the United States exempted with the caveat of mandatory health screenings at like, I think, six or seven specific airports in the U.S. Um, and that obviously... Uh, has deeply offended much of Europe, um, saying, you know, we'll still take your goods and services, but don't send your people. But not your people. <laughs> but, not, but not your people. Um, it, it is going to be interesting how that plays out, um, how that plays out in, uh, like in the global market. And the fact that Ireland, like the Republic of Ireland and the United Kingdom were exempted from that, mm. um, uh, even though the rest of the EU was thrown in there in that travel ban, is also... Uh, fascinating, especially also with the European, uh, rather the United Kingdom's uh, struggles still with Brexit. What will that make it look like? Will they, will they align more strong with the European Union now that, or, or, or less even with the European Union because they've been granted this special privilege or it's just a very multi-layered issue. It is. And well, and now that I'm thinking about it, Jack, too, because in the uh, ingress chart uh, in, in the whole sign system, we see that that north node there is at four degrees of cancer. And if you pull it back to the US chart, you're going to see that that's literally the midpoint between the Venus-Jupiter conjunction and cancer that we have in the US mm-hmm. chart. Uh, and given if the Sibley chart is correct and we have that Jupiter rising, um, with the Sag rising for US, uh, you know, that is our whole chart's planetary <laughs> ruler, basically. And then, and then mm-hmm. Venus there too, and it's in that ninth house of foreign travel. And so... Um, right. That's that's interesting. A component, um, and I, you know, like you said earlier, you know, knowing so many performers, I, I, I tons of people that I know that travel all the time to Europe for uh, tours that they do. In fact, a friend of mine just reached out and she was like, "Oh, my my friend's friend is you know touring Europe right now, and he just found out he's stuck." You know, and so can you imagine that you're out doing your job, playing your music, and then all of a sudden you can't come home or you have to jump through 5 million hoops in order to get there. Mm-hmm. And so this is, you know, and it's, it's an interesting component of the chart just in general, seeing that that North node and where we're kind of being pushed to um, is up in that foreign space and in cancer Absolutely. too, where, we, you know, you maybe need to have a little bit more tenderness, a kinder heart. Um, around mm-hmm. the whole thing. Um, and so we might be tested versus kind of the destiny of this nodal axis of right. our abilities to use our two benefics that we have conjunct in the natal chart of the United States. Are we really that benefic? It might be the question. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, uh, or we're going to be challenged on our ability to to be that and to show that heart. So that's that's a possibility too around 
you know, what's going on. But, oh, <laughs> enough of the year ahead. Let's yes. talk about the near time. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So we were like, because, we, you know, last year we just did a whole program on this and granted we're about 45 minutes in, but now we're going to break it down to actually like, let's just get down to the nitty gritty of Aries season and what that's going to mm-hmm. look like more on a personal level um, so that we can kind of navigate some of the intricacies of the next 30 days. And especially in such a you know, we're, you're going to notice that this is a strong cycle <laughs> that we're going to be breaking down. There's so much to say. So now, of course, we have the actual ingress, which we've already stated happens on March 19th um, uh, at the right before midnight, 1149, 37. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and in Washington. So it'll be about what? What's my math? Um, 849 here in the Pacific Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so where where am I? Okay, Jack, what are we, what are we doing? We kind of, we kind of set everything off right away before we even get to the new moon. Okay, this is what I'm trying to say. Uh, so we have the ingress on the 19th, and then we don't have that new moon in Aries until the 24th. But there's so much that happens in between that period, isn't there? <laughs> uh, yes, there is. The uh, the Mars Jupiter conjunction perfects just a few hours later, uh, officially on the 20th of the month, the very next day. Um, we have the Mars-Pluto uh, conjunction go exact two days after that on March the 22nd. Um, Saturn finally moves into Aquarius right before Mars and Pluto go exact on the 21st. Um, we've got the Venus-Neptune sextile as well as the Mercury-Uranus sextile happening on the 22nd, same day as the Mars-Pluto conjunction. And then finally, we get to the new moon conjunct Aries con- conjunct the sun conjunct Chiron, right? Yeah. New moon, sun, moon, is, sun, Chiron, all in the same place. Yeah. Which, you know, it's kind of fascinating, Jack, even before we get into this, thinking that as we're recording this and we're going through the virus panic, that, you know, this is exactly the time that the Chiron, Chiron is at the bending of the nodes. Um, right. And we think about Chiron as, you know, that point of, you hear it the term over and over, the wounded healer. But it's fascinating context with what we're going through and having it mm-hmm. at that, that, that square, that destiny point and knowing that our new moon in Aries to kick off this whole new zodiacal new year is going to be conjunct Chiron in this point, which means it's going to be square our nodes. So you can say that, you know, that's going to be a pretty important new moon. Um, but, but leading up to it, we have all these conjunct, so much new, 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 new. <laughs> Right? Absolutely. And new, and then uh, a lot of the fires of transformation with Pluto happening with Mars there for sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, you know, I don't even know what to say about it. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> like indeed, nod. Yes, nod. Yes, nod, nod. Um, but, you know, that's, that's the thing because we have so many, you know, Mars and Jupiter meeting at the end of their cycle to start a new cycle that's mm-hmm. kicking off this whole year. And then the same with, with Pluto. And we know that when Mars and Pluto get together, it can be a pretty, it can be a, a trying point for just that point because something you know there's usually there could be some sort of catalytic event that starts new cycles a lot of the time you know where right. you where it's so we're gonna have to watch for what really comes um in those first few days in those first like four or five days of the Aries season uh because I think it's gonna be fascinating and just telling a tale of how the, you know, the cycle is going to continue to play out. And these are both Mars cycles here. So we're looking at a two mm-hmm. and a half year cycle, right? Right. Um, 
So it's, it's been a hot second since Mars has done this. <laughs> it absolutely has. And I think that it's very interesting as well that uh, you have Saturn move into Aquarius. And so you, you yeah. get that separation of, uh, and finally, like the differentiation of the malefics ever so briefly, just before Mars touches onto Pluto. Um, and so suddenly, like the wall of Saturn is out of Capricorn, right? Like the CEO has left the office. Mm. Um, and <laughs> now he's and taken to the streets. <laughs> taken into the streets. Yeah, taken into the streets. Taken in alias. Um, yeah, the CEO found found religion or religious experience, and suddenly it's like on the other side of the wall, right? But Mars, um, still exalted, uh, then hits Pluto. And it's almost like what um, what are the choices we make? Like what what uh, what are the um, effective uh, actions to take once um, the the rule setting master, right? Like Saturn, the the setter of the rules and regulations, has departed from that space where it likes mm-hmm. to set the law. And Mars, who is especially efficient in Capricorn, um, uh, because of the way it, it is uh, so especially skilled and uh, refined in that space. What does that look like when when Mars cra- crosses this point of transformation, this plutonic uh, influence of uh, destruction and rebirth um, in in the area of rules itself, in the land of Capricorn, right after the rule maker has stepped out of the building, right? Mm. Um, I think it will be very interesting to see what choices and what regulations and what policies that had been set um, a while ago, like uh, that have been longstanding, that need to be... Um, suddenly and markedly changed or uh, or in some ways uh, dis- like a destroyed or tossed aside cut cut away like the surgeon's knife of Mars um, as it moves over as it moves over Pluto and what new ideas and new um, new pathways forward are being seen already by Saturn stepping into Aquarius at that like right prior to that well, and it, that's interesting correla- correlating with that because at that same time, we're experiencing that final Mercury-Uranus sextile. And, and Mercury's mm-hmm. already been to this place twice before. Um, and so there is some sort of, you know, uh, innovative force or some sort of, like, there, there is a leveling up that's happening here on so many levels. And it's interesting, Jack, that when I'm, like, you know, clicking through the chart uh, that we have... Um, when Mars and Pluto meet, um, that we're, <laughs> we hear Kitty. Well, I Kitty, have, that's I okay. Have let, I have to let the cat out. Give me two seconds. <laughs> let the cat out. Let the cat out. While Jack lets the cat out, I'll collect my thoughts about um, the, uh, what am I trying to say? Oh, yes. That's what I'm trying to say. Is that when we get to the Mars-Pluto um, conjunction, well, guess where the moon's going to be? It's going to be in Pisces near Neptune. <laughs> so Ooh. it's interesting that the moon is going to be activating, you know, this Neptunian spot and all this Pisces energy, all the retrograde. Move. So basically the moon is going to be moving through the area that we just retrograded through as we make these significant conjunctions, Saturn ingressing, the last Mercury Uranus sextile, Venus sextiling Neptune at that time too. Um, so mm-hmm. we're adding extra. So th- I think that there's going to be significant just shifts in general, whether that we see that on the outside, which of course we're going to see it on the outside. How could we not? But just within us, you know, there this is a point of a 
of many endings and beginnings just symbolically. And, you know, it could be big in someone's life or it can just be these minute changes that are down the line going to set up. So we're, it's almost like kind of like a, maybe a spiritual acquiescence almost, you know, especially with Neptune, you know, Neptune and Pisces involved with the lunar cycle. Oh, absolutely. And I think that, um, What's interesting here as well with uh, the flows, the, the sextile opportunities with Venus and Neptune, as well as uh, Mercury and Uranus, is that those pairings, each of those pairings are not the most hateful pairings. Like no. Venus and Neptune, um, it's definitely not ugly. Like, or uh, There's certainly a level of glamour involved with those two entities coming together in a flow state. And Mercury and Uranus definitely have a vibration that they share between each other, that ingenuity, the, um, the spark of the mind, the uh, ability to intellectualize and to um, put things in, in a new context or to frame things from the mental perspective. So there is um, a very interesting double flow on the 22nd for me of having both that Venusian, Neptunian, artistic, ooey-gooey, warmy, fuzzy, vibey, delicious, glamorous vibe um, happening in parallel to the Mercury-Uranus sextile um, uh, between uh, Taurus and, uh, and, and Pi- between Taurus and Pisces, mm-hmm. where you have this, uh, like this mental flow. And I think that there's this wonderful marriage of the creativity where the crossover that you find there is that they both share Pisces as the, um, uh, the, the Pisces-Taurus connection is where both of these sextiles are happening. And you have um, both that uh, creative influence on... Um, Mercury from Pisces, as well as the creative force of Neptune, as well as the the glamorizing and uh, bring it togetherness of Venus, um, married again then with the the separative but also ingenious uh, quality of uh, Uranus, but rounded in Taurus. So there's this really really interesting synergy happening between the Taurus and the Pisces parts of your chart happening yeah. at this time. So look to see where that sits and how that sits, and see how can you marry at, on the 22nd. Like what's coming up for you where you're able to marry your creative impulse with your um, ability to discern and intellectualize and compute with. Um, the ability to perhaps do something that would be able to like bring people together or spread a message. Mm. Because I think all of those things are going to be really well supported, especially given the context of where those things sit for you um, in your own chart. Yeah, no, that's a good, those are great observations. And especially in the dark of the moon, right? Because we're just mm-hmm. a couple days before that new moon. And when we get to that dark phase, it can actually be a very creative phase because we are at the point of, uh, you know, a point of creation. That's so as the mm-hmm. moon is about to, you know, conjunct and do its natural cycle as it does every, you know, 28 days or whatever. Um, and so just thinking of those two together, you know, just water and earth and, and the form that could come from that. Um, so there is, I, I would second that, that there could be a very creative influence. And like you were saying, the two pairings of those planets too, because, you know, in modern astrology, there's a lot of, you know, they'll say a lot of times that Mercury is the, or Uranus is the higher octave of Mercury and Neptune's mm-hmm. the higher octave of Venus. Uh, and if you subscribe to such things, um, and it, it can make sense, I could see that for sure. You know, the, it's almost like those 
like you said, like a strengthening of that energy um, coming together in the sextile in ways that we can work with it. Um, and then, of course, we have a creative Pisces moon um, and also a compassionate one. And so if, it, if it's more form mm-hmm. around bridging a gap in certain uh, relationships, because we know that uh, Venus and Aries did her job um, mm. <laughs> as she went through and, and stirred the pot in that area. So th- there's resolutions that can come from that, those things that might have happened, you know, uh, a month or so prior. And so I, I think that it is a nice rounding out that is su- supporting flow with all these conjunctions and the ingress of Saturn moving into Aquarius, which is hopefully mm-hmm. going to air things out and lighten things up on the Saturnian side of things uh, with Saturn now being in its daytime ruler, you know, like just right. kind of getting some of the density of the Capricorn. And so I feel like, you know, it might actually be a bit of a, like a, a, a fresh air in some way. If you're ready to kind of, you know, walk off the cliff and I say that in a good way, like don't <laughs> take like crazy risks, but if you're like, oh, okay, I'm ready to like push into new territory, there is a seeding that can happen at this mm-hmm. time that is going to prepare you to do such things. And so feel into it. <laughs> Absolutely. The energy itself as a, for lack of a better term, feels to me sort of like the Egyptian goddess um, Nuit, I believe, like the goddess of night, night where like yeah. there's that, that void of creation, that sort of like feeling of a warm breeze in the evening kind of thing where there's like that, mm, that, that richness of the, the creative opportunity um, and the like, like the warmth of the of the earth and womb kind of feeling, where that that pre creation space yeah. um, before like the fertilization happens, that like just like the pure potential of creation without the urgency to begin the process, kind of thing. I that's beautiful. That's perfect. Yeah. So you know, so really, uh, from uh, especially the twentieth through the twenty second in that zone, or up until the twenty fourth when we get that dark, the actual new moon itself you know, feel into those points. And like Jack said, check those areas of your chart um, to see what is kind of getting kicked off uh, with some of that back and forth sextile action in both Pisces uh, and Taurus, because you'll kind of see where you're going to be experiencing that creation space. Um, So now let's get into our new moon here in Aries, which is going to be on uh, the 24th of March or yeah, March. Yep. Yes, March. Yes, March. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that will be at, uh, at least in Washington, that will be at 5.28 a.m. So it'll, it, we'll literally sleep through the new moon probably. Um, but like I said earlier, we see that uh, that new moon is conjunct uh, Chiron. Um, and so that's it, an interesting, I think it's interesting, especially with Chiron squaring the nodes and that this is going to be a lunation that is squaring destiny, <laughs> essentially. Mm-hmm. Thoughts, Jack? What do you think? Uh, that I mean, that the, the new moon right there is. I mean, you can't make this stuff up, really. Astrology is just right. It's always on time. Um, I mean, the sun and the new moon are right there at the bending of the nodes. Uh, the sun, of course, is exalt, exalted in Aries. We have to make that blanket statement, yes. of, of course, because it's the uh, at least from the northern hemisphere perspective, it is it is the the regrowing of the light, the gaining of the light, the um, the, the day begins to overtake the night in terms of proportionality above the equator. Um, and we, it does feel like there's a sort of like uh, uh, fadedness involved with this, in, with this uh, new moon. I, I mean, in terms of like, there's a trajectory that we're on, like we're on the river and like we're definitely on this river for this moment. Uh, yes. And we're, we're headed there. Um, 
and we're we're like headed towards the direction of of the nodes. Like we're moving our way towards that north node. Um, and this is really a juncture where there was maybe where there that feeling of where maybe there was like a fork in the river and the current. There was one uh, maybe another place we could have gone, but the current was way too strong, and we're definitely going in this particular in this particular path. Um, and uh, that pathway was directed and set really by. Um, by the state of illness that our population is experiencing. And, and then Chiron, I mean, you said it so beautifully, Mel, like it, it's uh, the marriage of Chiron's symbolism being uh, that which he seeks to heal the world because they cannot fully heal themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, we'll ne- humanity will never be free from illness, but we seek to save ourselves collectively by continuing to be more efficient um, in our methodologies of preventing the spread of illness and improving our ways to treat and adapt to changing illnesses. I mean, it's, it's, it's all, I mean, it's literally almost just too perfect. Yeah. Um, what, what action are we taking? Where are we moving forward? And then of course, the same thing um, is to be said of the economy. Certainly this is, this is from today's day, you know, this is what, uh, 12 days from now. And um, that's nearly two weeks is a lot of time in the world of business. I think that those that are um, uh, hurting from the current circumstances will be very, very obvious at this point. And there will be, uh, I think, at the moment of this sort of new moon, an ability for us to more objectively say, well, here is where we need to start to provide more support um, to uh, the populations that are not just the at, at risk for the illness, but the pop- populations that are in need because of the um, economic um, disparity and differentiation that has occurred because of the readjustments and reallocations of funds um, for the uh, for the prevention of the spread of the illness. Uh, it's all intertwined, right? Yeah. Our, our health literally is our money, right? Like if you have your health, you have everything. Right. Sure, you're free to choose other things and do with things as you will. But without the health of the populace, there isn't the freedom to pursue other economic I, again, I don't want to overuse the word frivolities, but like uh, other um, uh, other points of industry or other uh, investment systems that had been allowing us to neglect the investments within the public health system or within um, uh, uh, research doctors, right? I mean, uh, there's a whole interesting phenomenon as well that I'll just briefly mention about um, certain uh, uh, therapies like phage therapy, which is a whole interesting therapy where phages are bacterial viruses. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a whole system of therapies that really um, the, the greatest research labs of the world are, are seated in Eastern Europe because they're residual Soviet laboratories because it's not a profitable healthcare model, right? Phage therapy requires you to investigate and develop and find a specific bacterial virus that targets only one kind of bacteria well, therefore, that bacteria can never find an immunity to it like it can an antibiotic. But it also means that it's very specific and it doesn't apply to mass populations, so there's not a way to mass market it. So only those clinics that were being funded by a communist society that sought to create healthcare for people separate from the idea of generating funding through commerce, mm-hmm. only those places still have really prominent mm-hmm. uh, phage-based research laboratories. I mean, we're starting to catch here, up here in the U.S. a little bit, but it just... It goes to show the difference between big pharma investing in a healthcare model and a different system, despite all of the flaws of historical communism, of which there were many. Um, <laughs> uh, like one benefit to it was that there were investments in things that were 
um, of the spirit of this is something that's going to help to heal people and not lead to issues like mass resistance of an antibiotic, mm-hmm. right? The whole idea behind phage therapy, which does work, is that it's a specific targeted thing and you're using nature against nature um, and they and the and nature itself can't build a resistance to itself because of its infinite ability to adapt versus the ability to mass market that which man makes in patents, mm. um, which is a whole different system of things. Uh, so that's my little tangent no, there, that's but that's what I see. That's interesting. Um, and, huh, hmm. Well, in this, we tend to forget too, when we're, when we reach this Aries ingress is that whatever has led up to this point, especially the last season. And as we're sitting from this kind of chaotic Pisces moment that we're, that the world is in there, it, we're in a lead up. We have this lead up that takes us to this ingress. It takes us to the new moon in Aries every year. Uh, and we have a really potent one because there is this uh, this new agenda. There is sometimes maybe a crisis that has to be tackled because that's the nature of Aries too. And hopefully with the sun being exalted there, it can, you know, see, be conscious of what needs to be done. But we have to kind of attack something and we have to address something or we have to start fresh and start new. And here we have Jupiter, Pluto, and, and Mars all have just made, you know, they're, <laughs> of course, Jupiter hasn't quite made it to Pluto yet. It's almost there. Um, but there's all this new cycles that are like breeding within this. And I think it's all based up on this Pisces lead up. Um, and, and the things that we need to actually kind of handle, whether it might be a, a, a crisis or a point of a new beginning in our own lives or uh, outside or probably the mm-hmm. both, because that's the thing is we're all affected by these. And that's why we feel it in Pisces, right? Because we, you know, any Pisces will tell you we're all connected. Well, we absolutely are. And we are feeling that right now in Pisces season. And to think that you are separate and try to separate yourself, <laughs> you know, we can do that in, mm-hmm. in a physical space. But when it comes down to the world operating in a way that is going to, uh, you know, be fruitful for us as as, spe- as a whole world, not just us, the whole mm-hmm. world. Um, you know, we have to <laughs> we have to remember that key piece, um, and and so we might be tackling some of that, some of that too, and jumping off of this point. It, it has a lot of fool energy to me. You know, yeah, yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> the fool card from the tarot for sure. Yeah. And how interesting that it's also. I mean, at four degrees of Aries, it's uh, within you know four degrees of of a separating sextile from the Saturn ingress into Aquarius. So it is very much so about, I think like, like the new set of rules stepping into the new land. Um, And uh, that's a great call. Mel. I think the fool is a really great card to speak of in in that sort of situation for this new moon. So, you know, we might have a full moment, but full moments are not necessarily foolish. It just is. It's like, Oh, we're at the precipice. We're about to, mm-hmm. you know, we're there. And so there, we're, we're going to be at this precipice, which we get every year, but this one has an extra added layer of potency on it um, that we're really going to feel. So of course, you're going to want to look mm-hmm. at where, you know, what's going on in Aries and your chart and what house is being activated at that point, because there will be that full new beginning happening there probably. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's... And it's interesting to think of within the relation to the ingress chart that we just spent how much time talking about, how by whole signs, this new moon falls in the sixth house. (laughs) And so hopefully we're going to be combating, you know, uh, with that strong exalted Mars that just went over Pluto, these issues that we're up against. 
Absolutely. And I think that as the light begins to grow with the moon um, moving uh, further in, uh, in into her cycle, we get to uh, some wonderful yes. some wonderful qualities. Tell we us, do. Jack. <laughs> <laughs> so as um, the moon grows in her light, uh, we get to the Venus trine into Jupiter. Um, then the moon actually conjoins Venus in Taurus. Uh, and the moon then escapes into Gemini just before Venus trines into Pluto. And this is happening from the 27th to the 28th of March. Yeah, so it's a Friday and a Saturday. Yes. So just as the moon is barely gaining enough light to be seen, um, we have the uh, activation of uh, Venus trining into Jupiter, and then the moon smacks right into Venus. And so Venus is, is just reeling from all of the, the, like, the juicy gifts of Jupiter. And there is that wonderful um, Earth sign connection of 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 Venus uh, trining into Jupiter in Tor- from uh, Taurus to Capricorn, and even though Jupiter is again in his fall, he's still Jupiter and he's still going to bring some gifts. And I think that Venus in Taurus is in a stable enough place to sort of um, to sort of hold jittery Jupiter in, in Capricorn down for a second to receive, like to to, to milk some information, like the, the in Taurus and in, in, with Venus. You think of like the milk of the cow. Like I think that Venus can draw some of this nectar out of uh, Jupiter's position over in Capricorn, where we've just had all of this intense action, where we've just had Saturn leave, um, and the, the the departure of Saturn from Capricorn certainly will have lifted Jupiter's mood a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, being now in its diurnal ruler, uh, a diurnal sign of Aquarius, Saturn it becomes a little bit lighter. Jupiter is a little less oppressed because it's no longer co-present with Saturn. Yes, true. Um, and so I think that there is a little extra jupe juice to bring juke out juice. one of jupe juice, <laughs> favorite asteroid term, um, to, be, to be received by Venus. And then the moon smacks right into Venus. And the moon is the, is the actualizing factor. It's yeah. the catalyst. It's the manifesto. Exalted too. Exalted and just gaining light. Enough to be seen. Enough for you to see some It's a good start. It is a good start after um, uh, after somewhat of a rocky ingress. It's a good start to yeah. the way things are coming to fruition, right? Because the fullness of this ingress has happened in the darkness of the moon so far. So a lot of the um, results and factors in a near time scale are things that have rely, uh, laid under the surface or been unseen, including our psychology and this anxiety we were speaking to earlier. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, with the events of the 27th and the 28th, with Venus trining into Jupiter first, then the moon smacking into Venus, and then the moon moves right into early Gemini just as Venus trines into Pluto. And so I think there is this extra feeling of whatever has been gleaned from this energy um, of uh, Venus and Jupiter and the moon bringing things to fruition. It gets to get sent forth into the first sign of duality, into Gemini, into the hands of of, um, of the people a little bit more right before Venus has to encounter that Plutonic transformation energy. But again, it's a trine. So I think that Venus has just been set up to have enough resources and nurturing to be able to maybe do something more productive with the ashes of, of 
our wonderful Pluto friends. Oh, I love how you just set everything up, Jack, because this is, okay, so this is what I'm seeing. And I think you're absolutely right about that. And it is a good start and it is a sweetness to a lot of the underbelly of like more difficult things that we've had to go through. And so it's fascinating to watch Venus go through these connections that she's making, you know, uh, in that 27th, 28th of March zone. Um, And then a few days later is when Mars ingresses into Aquarius and we have have uh, Mars conjunct Saturn in a new cycle, which is always a significant cycle. And Jack, when they meet uh, in their exact conjunction, well, the moon is at three degrees of Cancer right on our north node point. So we are seeing a point, another point of destiny meet at this, uh, you know, where our our efforts are meeting our long-term, you know, planning and and what's going Mm -hmm. on there. It's a whole new cycle of uh, production in many ways. Um, And we get that sweet hit of Venus right before those two come together to seed their Aquarian plan. And really, this is very important because Jupiter and Saturn are going to meet at this conjunction point at the end of the year, starting a whole new 20-year cycle. So there yeah. is things that the last couple of days of March they're not just happening to us then, but we are going to see a trajectory that is being laid out before us that is going to carry on for quite some time afterwards. So... I think Mar- that is March very 31st, well, Tuesday, mark calendars. Very well said, very well said, <laughs> Mel. Um, and uh, the Mars ingress into Aquarius conjoining Saturn as well is just so poetically wonderful after, um, you know, Mars did not hit that Pluto mark until after Saturn had left the scene. Yeah. Um, and then Mars gets to move straight into um, that uh, the, the rule maker, Saturn, again, in a fresh sign with a fresh start, like having already... Um, torn some of the old structures down perhaps or having already chosen some of these but not those well and that's an interesting point because um you know the last time that mars and saturn met actually happened to be when i created this podcast (laughs) ironically (laughs) enough is the inception point of this podcast but that was in capricorn so we just watched that whole cycle go you know, and, and there's so much you can say about cycles on this episode, but just think mm-hmm. about that. It being, you know, con- the Mars and Saturn meeting and all this Capricorn action, we've seen everything that's played out through there. And so now they meet at the beginning of Aquarius. And so, I mean, Mars and Aquarius just in general, like, I, I you know, I, I mean, what do you think about that as far as, uh, especially with, a lot of the activism that might be uh, activated, uh, especially as we go into this election year and, you know, people being out there. and Right. You know. Well, I also, I want to make a, a quick point that yeah. the, the meeting of, of Mars and Saturn at zero degrees of Aquarius, it's starting the next Saturn-Mars cycle, but it's also exactly where the next Jupiter-Saturn cycle is starting here in the fall. Yes. Right? Like the, this at the end of December. Yeah, the end. Of, oh, yes, at the end of the year, year. So we. Uh, this is another PowerPoint to watch for the year, the zero degrees of Aquarius marker, because not only are we starting a new two-year cycle of Mars and Saturn, but we're about to start another what twenty-year cycle, nineteen to twenty-year cycle of yep, uh, Saturn exactly. and Jupiter, and it's going to be interesting to see how I, I think that what Mars is starting to work out through is retrograde this year is oh, going yeah. to deliver us to a place to where Saturn and Jupiter are able to get their 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 stuff together there at the beginning of, of Aquarius. Um, so that's, and that will take us through to the results of the election cycle. Absolutely. Mm. Um, 
Uh, so um, definitely going to be a very contested election this year. I mean, it was always going to be, but the yes. astrology confirms. Ah! The astrology confirms. You can't make it up. You, I mean, me and Gray really talked about it in, yeah. the, in the 2020 episode. And it's just like, you know, you're, you're like looking around like, who up here is making this up? Because, oh my goodness, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> um, so that, that's a good point. And we, you know, we must note that the second that Mars moves into Aquarius uh, in this more airy space um, <laughs> is that, and more future oriented, because I think we're going to be, uh, you know, we're going to be driven uh, to act on what is coming or how we want to set things up or what ideals we might have for, you know, how we want to, uh, carry out our plans of, you know, uh, and maybe our plans for certain dreams and things that we're building. Cause even though this is going on all around us, there's a lot of us are trying to get things off the ground and we're getting these new chapters of our lives. And we have, uh, you know, dreams that we want to fulfill in life. Um, and it's interesting because the second Mars is going to move into that space on, you know, the 30th of March. Uh, we are on countdown at that point to, uh, Mars squaring Uranus, which is going to be part right. of the full moon. And we're not quite there yet. Uh, we're going to roll through just a couple quick things before we get there. But just know that at the end of that, you know, by the 30th and we get to that conjunction with Saturn, there is pressure that is building mm-hmm. after that point. Um, so here we hit uh, our first quarter uh, moon and cancer, which is going to be on April Fool's Day. April Fool's, it's a first quarter moon <laughs> uh, pushing off from, from cancer. Um, and, uh, you know, it's our nodal position. It's not on the nodes, but we know that the conjunction with Saturn and Mars happened on <laughs> with the moon on that point. So I think that's kind of, of the brewing of first quarter. Um, but mm-hmm. really, once you know, we kind of put, we're pushing forward in that, that Cancerian space. Um, and that's a very important space for the United States. So just know that a lot of our planets are going to be activated as a country at that point and pushing forward some sort of agenda. Um, but not too long after that, we have Venus who's going to move out of Taurus. She, she will have done her stay and her domicile <laughs> there. Uh, but she's going to move out um, into Gemini on the 3rd of April uh, and then go on to Trine Saturn um, and, and that position that just basically got conjuncted with Mars uh, on, on the fourth there. Um, so mm-hmm. Venus and Gemini, Jack, you know, we are preparing for that retrograde that's going to be coming up to some extent. <laughs> we absolutely are. And I think um, we're preparing for the retrograde, but what's really interesting about the whole lead up to the retrograde mm-hmm. is the relationship between Mars and Venus. Yes. <laughs> they are riding a trine they are riding and perfecting trying like right on each other. They're like tandem surfing next to each other, like <laughs> cowabunga couple. Um, just like riding that tribe from Aquarius to Gemini. Um, as starting as soon as uh, right after Venus ingresses into Gemini, which is on the April the third, um, Venus then gets within. She gets within two degrees of Mars by. Uh, the by by the sixth, she's at like uh, uh, she's at three degrees of Gemini and Mars, a little slower typically, except when Venus is retrograde, um, is at five degrees of Aquarius, and then Venus is still catching up, still playing catch up, but she closes the gap to like less than a degree and a half, and then she never quite gets to catch up to Mars before she retrogrades. Yeah, but we get this nice extended time where we're getting those two forces really working well together. And I think it will, there will be a bit of a, like a bit of a, um, 
a balancing act with those energies too, because they don't actually perfect before the retrograde period. Um, But they do get to be ever oh so close. And Mm -hmm. whenever those planets get to be so, so close, we have an extended period, a rare period of like weeks long, well into Taurus season, where Mars and Venus are riding in tandem, trining each other. And I think that will provide a lot of opportunities for us to... um, start to reconnect as people for us yeah. to be able to get back to some sources of uh, fun and amusement, which can sound um, a little too light at times when there are real crises, but it's also like, you know, uh, like the golden age of cinema in the 1930s was during the great depression. That's Why? Right. Because people needed the relief. Like we do need relief. We, we from, do, you we know, do. Yeah. life is supposed to be fun. You know, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. And then that's, the, that can be a very warped uh, concept when we have all this Capricorn going on. Trust me as a Capricorn moon, I understand <laughs> with <Yeah. laughs> what can block fun sometimes, but we need it, you know, and, and mm-hmm. it's, it, we're meant to have fun here on this planet. It's like when we're not, <laughs> I mean, to say, there has to be responsibility. Don't get me wrong. Yes. But, but there also, there has to be a balance. And so he, that's, mm-hmm. here's the thing. Them doing their cowbunga cub couple. I can't even say it, but I just <laughs> laughed at that. But that's the balance, right? They're trining the, you know, the masculine principle, feminine principle, they are in this flow together. And the, Venus is that balance and, you know, and mm-hmm. the action of Mars to do. And we're trying to find balance because we mm-hmm. need the responsibility and the precaution just as much as we need the fun and the enjoyment. Um, and so hopefully those concepts can come together and ride alongside each other. Um, because it's so interesting, Jack, that at least at the point when Venus ingresses into Gemini and then trines that, that Saturn, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that that's getting this air agenda out. And so that, this is also a point of percolating and opening up to ideas that are for the future and those long-term plannings, you know, because air likes to look ahead. Um, but it's fascinating at that same time uh, from April 3rd to April 4th, that Mercury is conjuncting Neptune in Pisces and Jupiter conjuncts Pluto. And so I will put money on, we're going to hear some news about this epidemic and this pandemic on April 3rd and 4th, because Mercury is conjuncting that point. And I would even venture to make a statement that I think that we'll see a lot of populations returning to perhaps somewhat normal patterns at that time, because we'll get the flow of Venus and Saturn with one another. It's sociable Um, signs too. And in in the air signs, right. In Aquarius, the people at large and Gemini, the people face to face. Yeah. Higher humanity, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, so I do think that we'll see like the return to society a bit as we approach, like after April Fool's Day, Uh, we'll, we'll start to have those opportunities um, maybe Venus and Mars might need to get a little closer together. So that is happening on a Friday when Venus moves into um, Gemini. And we might not be until that, that Monday, which uh, puts Venus suddenly within, the two, within two degrees of being trying to Mars mm-hmm. um, to start to ride that wave back into nor- like the normalcy of societal functionality. And maybe we're coming back out to rejoin the people, but we're being a little more disciplined and still... In- incorporating some elements of enhanced separateness Mars into the mm-hmm. situation. Um, but I would venture to say that that's when we'll see a lot of the population either returning to normal work or returning to patterns with new, um, with new regulations in place. There's uh-huh. also a, a level of comfort there because we're getting to finally 
maybe interface more, get out of, I think everyone's going to have a little bit of cabin fever at this point as well, of uh, like mm. the, the cloisteredness um, and, and the separation. Um, and even Venus in Taurus likes to stay put, right? But suddenly she's in Gemini and she everybody- She wants out. She wants out. Uh, and everybody will, yes. <laughs> well, and so that's interesting too with the Jupiter uh, Jupiter conjuncting Pluto at that point. And we know Jupiter is going to do that um, three times. So this is not the first, you know, not one pass and go. This is the first pass. Um, and that might be around some of those regulations uh, where we are hearing news of, of you, you know, maybe some... Uh, laws that have been made or some sort of, you know, the, the, the courts have got together to, um, you know, change or even the, something. Or, or even the medical establishment has figured out a better way to like, to, to handle and manage, um, uh, like the patients or, uh, we, we've simply got more outbreaks under control. I think all of the above even. Oh, um, or the markets and the fact that we get the to this markets. point. That, that's what I think what I was trying to say the whole time because, you know, here we have the mm-hmm. news of the Don't virus I. and we ha- might have the news uh, come out and how it's affected the markets and how we need to change or how we need to start back up, right? This is or a we start to rev the economy back. We just have right. to rev the economy because it, Jupiter had fallen enough to that point where it's like, oh, we can't keep, you know, this is a bottomless pit. We have, we, we have to, you know, come up mm-hmm. from here. And so here we have two more new cycles that are starting right as Venus wants to come out, you know, in Gemini uh, and and Saturn's now lightened up and is receiving that trine. So, you know, Mm -hmm. April 3rd through the 4th, uh, which is going to be a Friday, Saturday, like you said, Jack, um, we are seeing one more new start, new, maybe full moment um, in a, in a good way that is, is helping us move this whole thing along here. Um, so, but really that's all leading up to our full moon uh, in Libra, that 18 degrees of Libra, which is going to happen on April 7th. And of course, what we have going on then is we have the full moon with Mars square Uranus. So Mars has now made it to square Uranus in Taurus from Aquarius. Um, and we also have Mercury now sextiling the Jupiter-Pluto conjunction just a few days later. So, you know, more news is coming out. Um, You know, hopefully transactions taking place. You know, mercurial energy is very Mm -hmm. transaction-based. And so hopefully maybe we can start to rev the economy at that full moon um, a little bit. Sure. And the the, um, exact sextile of Mercury sextiling into Jupiter is after Jupiter is firmly separated from uh, Pluto. So it is that Jupiter is on the other side of that uh, Platonic fire mm-hmm. for the moment. For the moment. Of course. But for this um, area of the year, yeah, Mercury um, is sextiling firmly into Jupiter, offering more opportunities, and Jupiter is on the other side of that Pluto. And so just in terms of order of operations, yes, we are sort of on the other side of these interesting dynamics and on the other side of that exact moment of the um, Mars-Uranus uh, square as well. So I, I do think that as we move into April, we're starting to get more, uh, we're starting to get more into the, the new territory of what, uh, of what our hope for the future looks like or of what our um, best efforts are starting mm-hmm. to look like. The journey isn't over because we have so many things that are going to retrograde backwards and Um, like um, touch back on some of these cycles as the year goes on. Um, uh, Say nothing of the Jupiter uh, uh, sextile to Neptune as well. That's Mm -hmm. happening in in like July and then again later in the year. Yeah. Um, 
but I think that we are going to start to see the, the first like fresh air of spring as well in the sense that we're going to see the directions we would like things to start headed towards and definite sense of optimism opening up. Mm. Yeah. And well, cause I mean that full moon, that, that's a Venus full moon. And, and here she mm-hmm. is in Gemini, like you said, where she wants to get out. She wants to be more social. She wants to, uh, you know, she's thinking it's her, she's, opening to the future and the plans that are there because she just trined with Saturn. Uh, and then, of course, Mars had already made its conjunction with Saturn. And so there's something to be said about Mars meeting Saturn prior, Venus trining Saturn prior, and then Mars going to make this square to Uranus. And that's where there's some sort of pressure building, whether it's whether Venus needs to get out of the house and be sociable, or mm-hmm. if we need, need to um, you know uh, change some plans or rearrange some things or or, uh, you know, innovate our lives in some way, something there, there is a volatility to this full moon, but maybe in a way, cause sometimes volatility and destruction can be very creative and necessary yeah. in order to move into the next phase of your life. And this is in fixed signs, right? So something is, something is, uh, you know, percolating below that is rooting up out of this fixed energy, but it mm-hmm. wants to stabilize the future. You know, Taurus it wants, it has to innovate, but it wants it to be stable. And it's very much considered with the future, with the, the Mars and Aquarius and just the principle of Uranus to begin with. Right, for sure. Um, and it, perhaps even the borders reopening up as well. I mean, we're talking about oh, the, um, the pressure building. Um, and the airline industry is one we did not touch on so much, but the travel right now is crazy. Buy tickets. If you haven't bought tickets, buy your tickets. Most airlines, free well, insurance. But um, Mercury, uh, sextile, Jupiter, and Pluto, right? Jupiter, hello. And um, at this point, I think also, like, I think the airline industry will be, I don't think they'll, I think they'll be in a, a bit of a shape where, where they need income. And I think that, exactly. uh, uh, that in addition to allowing people the freedom of travel, again, it will be a, a benefit to the travel industry to reopen the allowance of foreign travel and tourism. Mm. So that leads us to our next point after the full moon, because then Mercury moves into Aries to hit our Aries ingress, right? And then goes on to sextile Saturn from April 10th through the 11th. And so it's almost like Mercury has finally cleared its Pisces space. It's gone through, you know, (laughs) all the, the, obviously we keep connecting that with uh, the, the transmission of disease too. And so hopefully we'll maybe be past mm-hmm. that point to where we are ready to take the risk of Aries, Mercury and Aries, right? The risk yeah. to travel once more and knowing that it's more stable through certain precautions that have been implemented, maybe since Mars met Saturn at, in early degrees of Aquarius. And so there's new, like you were saying before, some new regulations uh, with Jupiter and Pluto too. So maybe that we have just brought ourselves to a specific structure um, based on everything we went through. And now we can finally be like, okay, we're ready. <laughs> you know, let's, we're ready to get back to, to life and, just, and start fresh here. Um, so that's a possibility. Uh, it is definitely a possibility. And Mercury is moving fast at this point. Yeah. He's moving, he's booking it at over a degree and a half in a day style, style yeah. fast. Um, and whenever Mercury is moving that fast, he's moving that fast into Aries like he, I know, fast, like, fast, fast. There's like we're back to the game, back to the races, and it, it, he moves in on uh, like a Friday into a Saturday, right? Mm-hmm. So um, the the tenth uh, to the eleventh. So it's it sort of to me that sort of speaks to getting back into uh, the, like the heat and the fervor of things, and um, rejoining that same energy uh, of the Venusian principle in Gemini, 
right, um, of, uh, of getting back out there and also maybe communications picking up in regards to things other than the heaviness that we've just been dealing with, right? Like yeah. the news cycle and or uh, the media finally getting back to um, having some of the fun that, that Mercury can have in Aries. But I hope so. Because, you know, by that point, Mars is in Aquarius too and a little bit lighter than it was in, in Capricorn, even though it doesn't hold the same exaltation. You know, it's still, you know, there's just, uh, yeah. So I, I'm thinking that's going to be a good thing um, given everything that's led up to this particular point, um, mm-hmm. which is going to lead us basically to last quarter uh, at 25 degrees of Capricorn, which all, you know, last quarter moon, this crisis of consciousness moment is happening on where all the conjunctions and Pluto are. And so basically our last quarter moon is going to square Pluto uh, and Jupiter, you know, on April 14th uh, through mm-hmm. the 15th there. And so that might be a doozy of a last quarter um, just by the nature of those kind of planets. And that might be when we see the Jupiter uh Pluto conjunction that happened, you know, a handful of days prior become activated in some way just because the luminaries are touching down there. And so that's going to be um, a, uh, on Tuesday, it'll be a Tuesday. We got some Tuesdays lining up with some potency. I'm noticing Fridays and Saturdays and Tuesdays. Um, Mm -hmm. So just know on uh, Monday the 13th and Tuesday the 14th that there is a special energy that's brewing and is activating a lot of the points um, that, you know, that were... That we started the ingress month with. Exactly. Yeah. And in addition to that, Mercury is exactly conjunct Chiron at six degrees of Aries at that exact moment. (laughs) Right? So the the megaphone has been handed back to... uh, has been handed back in the la- right at the last quarter to Chiron that was with us at the seed of the new moon here. So um, th- uh, that definitely speaks to the fruition or the final um, uh, speaking of that story, of that tale, the disseminating moon uh, being sometimes referred to as the most generous phase of the moon. It's in the moon to give away all of its stuff, but it's still more than half full kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So um, it is, uh, there's, there's a lot to be given with this energy and... Um, with the Mercury Chiron, there's a lot to speak to, and the and the Moon is just covering all that territory where shit just burnt to the ground. Forgive my my pseudo French. <laughs> um, uh, and then it gets to finally move into uh, those new Aquarius points. Um, it, it's just uh, quite of a quite of a last a bit of a last quarter from the full the full Moon to the uh, last quarter is a little. I don't want to say less active, but it's uh, the, the the front end of the cycle feels loaded, and then the very last yeah, quarter feels loaded to me. Um, but there seems to be some sort of resolution too, because here we have Mercury mm-hmm. conjunct Chiron and that new Moon point um, that was pretty potent. Uh, at the same oh. time, that you know that same position is coming to basically sextile Venus and Mars that are in those nice you know Calabunga couple position that we were talking mm. about earlier. So. There is some sort of flow going between all those personal planets. Um, Definitely. And the moon, I'm just noticing as well, Mel, the moon it gets to conjunct Jupiter exactly at the moment of the last quarter moon, yeah. all at 25. So you get that, that juke juice again. And mm-hmm. again, he's free from Saturn, from the sign, um, free from Mars as well from the sign. Mm-hmm. So there is a bit of a relief for Jupiter with the removal of both malefics in a, in a sign that is um, uh, 
uh, unseen to him, Aquarius from the Capricorn perspective. Yeah. Yeah. We can bet though that, you know, anytime that Jupiter gets contacted with, with the sun, cause the sun is going to turn a page. And so, mm-hmm. you know, April 13th, April 14th, particularly, there is going to be a page that turns as far as your growth, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in, yeah. in your story arc of whatever that looks like. And also in the world's because, you know, obviously Jupiter is in a collective sign at that. Right. And it might be at growth in relation to your place in the world, you know, Aries to Capricorn. Um, so that is, yes. So if you're looking for a growth spurt, that is definitely a hot spot this month. Last quarter may can trip us up uh, a little bit because, you know, when we're pushed into new territory, uh, if we're ready for it, that can be an absolutely good thing. If we're not, then, uh, we might have a little tension that takes place, especially with the Capricorn moon there. So it might feel a little heavy. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think that wherever we're pushed, really the end result is of a fortunate nature because here we have Mercury then sextiling into, uh, Venus and Mars. And so if it's heavy in the first couple around the 14th, you know, give it a couple days and there's going to be a release that happens uh, and a softening mm-hmm. and a movement there, I think. Very well said, Mel. Just riffing. Just riffing. <laughs> I mean, that we're really Just at the end of the cycle at that point. Um, I mean, essentially... We, I mean, there are a few days left, but the, I mean, the, the moon gets to move through the Aquarius space and activate that Saturn and that Mars, and then, True. you know, awaken all of those, uh, the, se- the sextile to Mercury and Aries. Um, it does get to have one last sextile of the sun as well from, uh, from Aquarius to Aries. Um, and then it Which does I think will be also- very fruitful. The, those yes. last moments, I think once we get past that last quarter, there's all these extra little moments that are going to help mm-hmm. us situate whatever happens there. Yes. And then in the darkness of that balsamic moon uh, moving through Pisces, it does get to have that final sextile as well in the cycle um, on the last day or the last day and a half of the cycle to Uranus and Taurus, mm-hmm. right? One last little shakeup from the Pisces moon there. Um, and uh, then we're on our way hitting up uh, just passing a final conjunction of the moon to Neptune. Neptune. <laughs> the peak of its darkness right as we move into uh, Taurus season. So definitely that last day, the 18th into the into the uh, early hours, um, the, the first half of the day on the 19th for most people that Sunday, um, definitely take your day of rest. Yes. Seriously. Darkness of the moon hitting Neptune. Um, Basically uh, that whole weekend, April 18th, 19th, that if you can take some time off, you know, meditation, go to the beach, you know, like just something that's going to get you. Cause there, I feel like soul whispers are going to come through at this time and we want to hear those. (laughs) For sure. And I do love that we get to finish with um, a little bit of a kite pattern happening um, right at the very, very last day. We have Mars trying uh, Mars in Aquarius at fourteen, trying uh, Venus in Gemini at thirteen, with um, our wonderful Mercury right smack dab in the middle there, moving from thirteen to fifteen of Aries on literally the last day mm-hmm. of the, the second half of the last day of the Aries cycle. So we do get that nice that uh, that nice trine double sextile relationship between all the personal planets right at the very end of the cycle there. So sort of uh, the ability to bring balance and flow to ourself and our animal nature, ourself in our fun-loving nature <laughs> yes. and the way we can relate in ourself, how we voice ourselves. 
And so um, I think there is a nice sweetness, even though it's a little tired. I think there is a nice uh, <laughs> bit of sweetness there at the very end of the cycle. We're too tired to fight at that time. <laughs> we, <laughs> let's we all just, just get along. Let's all just, right. just fade in here. Who's well, got a guitar? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and that really is Aries cycle for you guys, folks. You know, that is, there's a lot going on and hopefully we unpacked it um, in a way that we could in a linear fashion as much as, <laughs> but there was so much to share. So hopefully you were able to follow along. Um, but Jack, if you had any last thing to say, would you have a, a, a piece of advice for Aries season? Would you be like? Yeah, I would say um, <laughs> uh, this is a wild ride. Um, look for the opportunities to um, unfold and blossom as the um, uh, the solar month uh, unfolds and expands. Um, there are some wonderful opportunities during the month for some great Leo elections because you got the sun exalted in the ninth in its joy um, with Venus in Taurus in the 10th. So there are some opportunities uh, to utilize um, some lovely elections or choices throughout, but be specific about your times because there's also a lot of uh, junk happening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, be ready for um, a real spring cleaning, right? Like the, yeah. in the truest sense of like an Ayurvedic cleanse, like the, uh, things are moving out to be able to establish new structures. And so put yourself in that spring cleaning mindset and know that like the, the first part is going to be a bit more about doing the cleaning. And the second part, could be a bit more about enjoying the freshly clean space. Mm. Um, uh, but just maintain uh, that wonderful sense of, of the sun in Aries. Like I'm finally here, I'm finally growing. And we, I like go with that solar fire. Um, no plug intended for solar fire. <laughs> um, uh, but go with that solar principle. Um, and I think that we'll ride out this ride just fine. Um, there's going to be a lot for the, from the societal planets, um, Jupiter and Saturn, and a lot from the interpersonal planets. Uh, but we are all in this together. And I think that this month will prove that to us uh, through the unfolding of the global health and economy, but also how we contextualize ourselves. Um, and then who are we when we have to be alone with ourselves in, in isolation? And who do we want to be when we return to the world? Oh, Ooh, I have nothing to say after that. That was great, Jack. <laughs> that was like I was like just pointing at you as you're. <laughs> no, She's like silently snapping. So like, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> Tell them, yes, yes, we are at the turning of the zodiacal new year, and uh, at the point, you know, at the bendings of destiny with the notes there. So let in all the conjunctions that. It, it, fresh starts, fresh starts. And so let's, let's utilize this to our best advantage because it might be potent, but potency moves things in very promising ways sometimes. So that being said, all right, Jack, well, what do you, what do you got going on? Can be, where can people find you? I'm assuming people there's, can. is there a website? <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. So I have, I do have an, e I have uh, an email address. I am moving, I am moving to a whole new set of um, uh, web providers and that's getting underway. But if you want to reach me, this uh, email address is going to be the best way for the moment to reach me. And that is GeminiJackAstrology at gmail.com. Go ahead and reach out to me there. Um, I will be sure to uh, respond to those wonderful inquiries in the inbox. We can schedule, we can chat, we can do all, all those wonderful things. Um, uh, that is the best place to reach me for the time being. Um, uh, this last year has been a really wonderful year foraying into other elements of, uh, 
of my career and my disciplines, but I've also gotten to share astrology with a whole new group of people and individuals that, um, that it comes naturally to and getting into Vedic. And so it's been a year of, of expansion and absorption and growth as well. But it just means that I'm ready to talk more, dare say the Gemini. Uh-huh. Right? So, <laughs> so go ahead and shoot me an email to Gemini, jackastrology at gmail.com. And um, I'll be sure to get uh, to get to all those that reach out. Yes. And of, of course, I'll always put a little link to Jack myself in my, my own post too. So if you didn't remember that, you can go over to energeticprinciples.com and I'll have a blog post for uh, Jack and I's talk here that will have his information along with some of the charts that we talked about too, the Aries ingress charts. And so you can kind of get a visual of some of the things we said. And uh, I might have probably said that earlier in the broadcast, but I did. So if you stuck with us mm. now this long, you know that that is going to be there. So once again, that's energeticprinciples.com. Um, now, of course, you know, I do consultations as well. So you can, if you're interested in such things, you can access them through the website. Uh, and of course, I do my Patreon forecast that comes out every Sunday. So if you want to break this down into a weekly thing, um, and I get real detailed if you listen to podcasts in the past, uh, that program is still running on Patreon starting at $5 per month. So you can find that at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Um, now at the time of this broadcasting, I'm actually in the process of, I have classes that are starting up here in San Diego. Starting March 26th, I'm running a four-week beginner's astrology course uh, where we are learning from the ground up. So even if you, you know, if you know of anybody in San Diego or you're in San Diego, uh, that will start on March 26th for four consecutive Thursdays. Uh, and you can find out more on my website about that and sign up. And it is limited seating. So, you know, first come, first serve there. But, um, and of course, on social media, energetic principles at wherever that is. <laughs> what about you, Jack? Are you on, you doing the socials at all? I am uh, woefully unpresent from social media for a Gemini, but um, I have just had a bunch of wonderful yoga pics taken and things. And so I hope to have an Instagram uh, channel up with some lovely pics of yoga and astro um, uh, coming live here again soon. We just had a great photo shoot. So um, that is uh, is to come. Okay. We'll keep a lookout for that. I can't wait to see them. I want to see you. A little, 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 little. <laughs> I'll sneak it in there. You got to be flexible with Jack's schedule. <laughs> oh, you got to be flexible to be me, girl. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. That's why you're a yoga instructor. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, now, if you think people need to know about Aries season, the ingress, what we've talked about here, how the month's set up, you know, uh, spread the good word, tell a friend, share this broadcast, uh, leave a nice review wherever you might listen to this um, because that helps myself and Jack be seen further and to get this program out there. Um, And uh, yeah, so really that's about it. Jack, thank you so much for joining me for maybe the sixth time. (laughs) Thank you, Mel. It is always a pleasure. Yes, yes. And so you better just bookmark yourself for Leo season just that way. (laughs) Um, So, well, anyways, well, Thank you so much for listening and staying with us this long and enjoying the Astro Talk. We hope that you stay safe out there in these conditions um, and we're sure that you know we're going to see uh, positive growth and movement, hopefully in a good direction after, you know, during this season. So, <laughs> so thank you for that. Um, but all right, we'll have a fabulous uh, week. And as always, may the stars be with you. Mm-hmm.